local leaders, top stories, the news that matters most to you. The News Drive at 5 with host Patrick Reynolds starts now. Welcome to the News Drive at 5 here for Thursday, January the 25th. 2024, 5.06 p.m. on the Eastern Seaboard. Welcome to all of you heading home out of the cubicle. Maybe you're working a little late, got the eyeballs over the cube looking for the boss. Don't worry, he's not going to bother you. Just keep tuning in right here to the News Drive at 5. Be the News Cube at 5. We'll keep you up to date on today's headlines. Good to see and talk with all of you. You just heard Dollars and Cents with Joshua Doby here on WSIC News Talk. Every Thursday, 4 p.m., right before the news drive at 5, you can listen to Joshua. Yes, that is his real voice. Wonderful, deep voice, man. Good baritone in a choir if he was going to be there. But, yeah, very good information uh, in the financial world that he passes along to our audience. So mark your calendars for Dollars and Cents with Joshua Doby, brought to you by North Main Financial, strong supporter here at WSIC News Talk. Here along the way on the News Drive at 5, the ticket giveaway for the home shows continues on. If you're watching the social media video feed right now, I am holding them up to the camera. We've got a four-pack that we're going to give away after our final break. That will be at the 545 mark of the show, right after our final commercial break. In the last segment, we're going to open up the phone lines and give away that four-pack of tickets to a lucky winner. If you're first time tuning in, what are you going to win? Glad you asked. Let me tell you. The Greater Charlotte Home and Landscape Show is this weekend at the Cabarrus Arena in Concord, January 26th, 27th, and 28th. It starts tomorrow as we're taping this live. And we also will give away two tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. That is February 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Which one do you want to go to? You do not have to decide. We've got a four-pack, two for each show, and we're going to give away those in about 40 minutes from now. How do you win? 844-STUDIO-4. That's 844-STUDIO-4. Numerically, the same number, 844-788-3464. We are a News Talk radio station, so feel free to dial those numbers anytime during the show to talk about our news stories or just chime in on your thoughts of the day. The News Drive at 5, top five stories of today that we are tracking this hour. Two Mooresville men are facing felony charges. Local schools are granted over $1 million for campus safety. Statesville outlines political sign locations. The Huntersville Board sets a hearing for town hall financing. And we have financial updates from Lincoln County. Well, our top story tonight, two Mooresville men face felony charges as a result of an arson investigation by the Aradale County Sheriff's Office and the Aradale County Fire Marshal's Office. Sheriff Darren Campbell announced the arrest of Jason Luke, age 35, of Perth Road in Mooresville, and Joseph Smith, age 38, of Ricks Lane in Mooresville. The Aradale County Sheriff's Office began investigating after deputies responded to the area of 1700 Perth Road in Mooresville to assist with an arson investigation. Firefighters controlled an active fire and suspected arson. 
The Aradale County Sheriff's Office detectives interviewed witnesses and neighbors and identified Luke as a suspect. Luke was reportedly left the area with Smith. Deputies and detectives responded to Smith's address off Rick's Lane in an attempt to locate the suspects. After arriving, they found Smith in the driveway in possession of a firearm. Because Smith is a convicted felon, he is prohibited from possessing firearms. He was immediately placed under arrest for this and for violating the terms of his probation. Upon further investigation, Smith was also found to be in possession of methamphetamine. During questioning, Smith told deputies he did not know the whereabouts of Luke. However, after deputies executed a search warrant of the home, Luke was found inside along with several firearms and more methamphetamines. Luke was arrested and both suspects were transported to the Iredell County Detention Center. Detectives conducted interviews with both suspects and learned that Luke had started the fire outside of his residence on Perth Road the night before and left the property while the fire was still burning, resulting in the fire spreading onto neighboring property. Magistrate Lefkin issued Luke a $15,000 bond on the new charges. He was then served with the outstanding probation violation warrants and was issued an additional $30,000 bond. Magistrate Imes ordered Smith held without bond because he was free on a previous bond at the time of his arrest. In Raleigh, the Center for Safer Schools has awarded more than $1 million in school safety grants to Iredell Statesville Schools, the Mooresville Graded School District, and local charter schools. The funding will be used for safety equipment, training, and services for students in crisis. Safety equipment covered by this grant includes items such as cameras, vape detectors, radios, and weapons detection systems. Training can include professional development for school leaders to assist students who are experiencing anxiety, trauma, or conduct problems. Services made available through this grant can include school-based mental health services. The Center for Safer Schools Executive Director Karen Fairley said each application was thoroughly reviewed. Quote, It is part of the center's mandate and mission to give public school units the tools they need to keep those schools safer. That includes grant funding. We thank the General Assembly for its generous appropriation that enables us to support North Carolina public schools. End quote. State Superintendent Catherine Truitt said the need for school safety funding is crucial in ensuring students' well-being throughout their educational journey. Quote, nothing is more important than making our schools safer and more secure, and these grants will continue to play a vital role. This funding will help improve school security in many ways, including updating technology and training to prevent future emergencies. I applaud state lawmakers for making this a priority and look forward to working with them to deliver more safety funding in the future. Funding for the hiring and training of school resource officers was a continuation of the $33 million in funding awarded in October of 2022, that being for the 22 and 23 school year. Awards are subject to all administrative and financial requirements, including timely submission of all financial and programics reports, resolution of all interim audit finding, and adherence to allowable expenses. 
In 2018, the General Assembly worked with the Department of Public Instruction to launch a new school safety grant program to improve safety in public school units by providing grants for school resource officers, service for students in crisis, training to increase school safety, safety equipment in schools, and additional school mental health support personnel. Since then, more than $150 million has been awarded to public school units across North Carolina. The city of Statesville has released guidelines for the placement of removal of political signs within the city limits during the weeks leading up to the March 5th primary election. Candidates and their supporters should familiarize themselves with these regulations to ensure compliance with the Unified Development Code sign regulations of political signs. Political signs are prohibited from being placed within any city right-of-way. Political signs are prohibited in the downtown streetscape area, and the landscaped median on East Broad Street is also off-limits for political signs. We've got more headlines and news coming up. The Top 5 at 5 continues with the News Drive at 5. I am Patrick Reynolds. Don't go anywhere. We'll talk to you right after the break. Stay with us, everybody. Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this Thursday, January 25th, 2024, 518 on the East Coast as we come to you live from the WSIC News Talk Studios in Statesville, North Carolina. But you won't be heading or hanging around Statesville this weekend. You will be in Concord. How do I know? because you're going to take these home show tickets. I'm showing up to the camera right here. If you're looking at us on these social media platforms of WSIC News Talk, you see a four-pack of winning tickets that I am going to give away in less than 30 minutes from now. You have two tickets this weekend to the Cabarrus Arena in Concord for the Home and Landscape Show. Shows up in uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, to January 26th, 27th, and 28th. I've got two tickets to that show. And the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show coming up February 23rd, 4th, and 5th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Two tickets to each show, a tidy little four-pack. That is yours in less than 30 minutes. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. You want to talk a little bit news or politics? Please call in, and the time to win is 545, less than 30 minutes from right now. Back to our top five at five tonight here on the News Drive at five. The Huntersville Town Board called a hearing to discuss a financing contract for the town's investment of tens of millions of dollars in a new town hall for its next meeting. The public hearing to talk about the town's plan to enter an installment financing contract, along with the issuing of limited obligation bonds, will be Monday, February 5th at 6 p.m. in the current town hall. The amount of the financing is set at $32 million, which is estimated to account for the $30 million needed to construct the new building and renovate the old town hall, as well as any related costs of entering into the financing. Now, the previous commissioners chose in late 2022 to reverse their predecessor's decision to build a $19 million three-story town hall on the southwest corner of the North Carolina 115 and Gilead Road intersection in front of Discovery Place Kids. The current town hall was to be sold in that plan, freeing up the northeast corner of the intersection for development. 
The price was originally closer to $14 million, but construction costs have arisen significantly within the project delays. The board then voted 4-2 to two in favor of the most expans- expensive option offered by the town's chosen and design-build system, which was building a four-story building on North Carolina 115, just, cor- just north of the current town hall, and renovating the old town hall so that it could be used as community space. At the time, the cost was projected to be more than $28 million, which did not include the cost of a 1.3-acre adjacent parcel that the town had to purchase for the new building and parking lot. Commissioners Lance Munger and Derek Partee opposed the vote, arguing that the previous proposal was on a shovel-ready site that was already connected to an existing town-owned parking deck. The proposed town hall will need a parking deck added to meet the building's parking needs, which is not included in the $30 million estimate. A new town hall is necessary to meet the growing needs of the booming town for decades to come. The current version was built when Huntersville served less than 25,000 residents. The current population is more than 62,000 people. The town is expected to house more than 100,000 people by 2050. In other business, the board heard details on a proposed commercial communication tower that would improve cell phone service in South Huntersville. Berkeley Group is asking to rezone about six acres off Hallbrooks Road from transitional residential and neighborhood residential to special purpose and conditional district to erect a tall gray tower. The tower would serve all the major service providers, but it would likely be next year before all the equipment is in operation. The town's public information officer also announced that the town's new website will launch on January 31st. The site will have a new design, better navigation, and new tools for residents. So a lot coming up in Huntersville. As well as in Lincolnton, we jump across the lake to the west coast. In Lincolnton, several budget workshops were held in Lincoln County beginning in January. Nothing was voted on in the first workshop. All decisions, including setting the county tax rate, remain fluid. Each year, each commissioner provides a wish list, and then all five narrow it down to one joint list. For 2025, as of the end of the workshop, the combined commissioner goals are no tax increases, employee retention, supporting Lincoln County Schools, economic development, and improving project development processes. As a reminder, in comparison, the goals of commissioners in fiscal year 2024 were support Lincoln County Schools, industrial growth, employee retention, public safety, and expanding parks. With the potential for a bond referendum on an athletic complex or an agricultural center. Now, the decision was made years ago that the Lincoln County unassigned fund balance should be set at 20% or higher of the general fund expenditures. This fund is set aside for emergencies, shortfall, improved bond ratings, and cash flow. At this time, the current unassigned fund balance is more than $33 million, or 25.7% of general fund expenditures for fiscal year 23, and approximately 23% of the general fund for fiscal year 24. And uh, the next budget session will be held on February the 9th. At their regular meeting uh, this past week, commissioners voted on three rezoning matters that will bring new business to Denver. 
all of which were approved unanimously. There will be a Waffle House built on the north side of North Carolina 73, about 600 feet southeast to the intersection of North Carolina 16. Wayne Orndorff's application to rezone one and a half acres from neighborhood business and transitional residential to general business to construct a self-storage facility. The property is at 6328 Kidville Road at the intersection of Beth Haven Church Road and Catawba Springs Township. Finally, the application of Joseph and Shelley Richardson, which was postponed from the December 18th meeting to rezone property on North Carolina 16 between Samaritan Lane and Denver Drive, request rezoning from residential single family to general business to, so they can open up a brewery and a small tasting room. All three unanimously passed. In other business... Commissioners heard the annual report for Keep Lincoln County Beautiful, presented by Jenna Harmon, who is the executive director. Two grants were approved. The first, the Fiscal Year 24 Senior Health Insurance Information Program grant for senior services to help seniors make decisions about prescription drug coverage. The second, a grant from the North Carolina Department of Transportation to help fund fund runway and taxiway lighting rehabilitation. The contract with Willis Contracting Incorporating to install a private fire lane and hydrant at the airport, an updated drug and alcohol testing policy for transportation, and an ordinance amending Chapter 30 of the Lincoln County Code of Ordinances relative to smoking or use of tobacco products at county buildings were all approved. J.M. Cope Construction was awarded the constructed construction manager at risk for both the old Lincoln County Courthouse and the new Lincoln County Animal Services Facility. The Lincoln County Board of Commissioners approved grant to boost infrastructure at the airport and to expand counseling services for senior citizens. This piggybacks the other report that we just had. While those actions will both benefit will be both beneficial to the county, the commissioners expressed their frustration on the plight of the embattled residents of the Trinity Estates neighborhood in Iron Station. On the positive side, the board approved a $150,000 grant from the North Carolina Department of Transportation's Division of Aviation with a local match of over $16,000, according to Scott Stimson, manager of the Lincoln County Airport. The grant money will be used for LED upgrades in taxiway lighting at the complex. Asked to give an update on airport activities, Stimson reported on a $5 million grant project that would be done in two phases with the goal of developing a taxiway and hangar space for small and corporate aircraft. In a related manner, commissioners awarded a contract of over $60,000 to Willis Contracting to install a private fire lane and hydrant at the airport to serve a new hangar in the northwest section and to serve potential future hangars. In another grant award, the board approved a grant of $11,000 to Lincoln County Senior Services from the North Carolina Department of Insurance for the purpose of providing trained and non-biased counseling to clients on Medicare benefits. In action on other projects, the board awarded construction manager at-risk contracts on the historic courthouse at the jail expansion. The contract for the courthouse went to J.M. Cope for $36,000. Hickory Construction earned a bid of $97,500 to the jail project. Now, in public comments, Debbie Howdley of Trinity Estates asked the commissioners to help in solving the problem of a washed-out road section that stranded residents in the wake of the January 9th storms. 
She said, quote, we have no access in or out of our homes. 35 people are stuck back there, and a lot of them are elderly. We need a bridge, not a culvert pipe. We cannot get any help. County Attorney Megan Gilbert said the county, quote, does not deal with roads, end quote, or maintain a road crew. A special session law was passed by the General Assembly back in 1997 to allow Lincoln County to help with substandard roads, but the policy requires the landowners actually to put up front 75% of the cost to bring the road up to par. Gilbert estimated that the cost to upgrade Amity Lane, the only road in or out of the private neighborhood, at $1.5 million. The problem is that any construction must be paid for by the families themselves. This is a story that we're definitely going to follow here at the News Drive at 5. Troubled residents, a deteriorating road. Let's see what happens. The News Drive at 5 rolls on. I am Patrick Reynolds. Don't go anywhere. We'll talk to you right after this. Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this Thursday, January the 25th. 2024, 5.35 p.m. on the East Coast. Thurs, as the, I guess, the Good Morning LKN Show crew would say, Thursday day, Friday Eve, Friday Junior, Little Friday. Yeah, we're all here, Thursday, January 25th. We are just one day away from the kickoff of the Home and Landscape Show. Going to hold these four-pack of winning tickets up to our video feed on the socials right there. Uh, two tickets to the Cabarrus Arena in Concord for the Home and Landscape Show this weekend. And I've got another two tickets to the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. For the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show, February 23rd, 24th, and 25th, we are less than 15 minutes away from our ticket giveaway. If you would like to call the studio in the meantime and give a chat on your ride home, 844-STUDIO-4. 844-788-3464. That's 844-788-3464. Ticket giveaway coming up very shortly. Back to our headlines tonight. In Raleigh, Governor Roy Cooper proclaimed 2024 as the year of public schools in North Carolina. Cooper made the announcement at Nashville Elementary School in Nash County, where he attended elementary school as a child. He was joined by business leaders, state and local education leaders, teachers, and parents. Highlighting the work that public schools across the the state do every day to promote academic and social growth, as well as career preparedness, Cooper called for K-12 education and early childhood funding, as well as meaningful investments in greater teacher pay in the upcoming legislative session. The governor also called for a stop to state spending on vouchers for unaccountable and unregulated private schools until North Carolina's public schools are fully funded. Cooper explained, quote, North Carolina's future depends on making sure every child has the chance to receive a high-quality education in our outstanding public schools. Cooper plans to highlight North Carolina's strong public schools, teachers, and staff across the state to show the positive impacts of a well-funded public education system on the state's economy and communities. The governor will also spotlight the dangers of underfunding our schools while pouring millions into an unregulated private school voucher program that sends taxpayer money to private academies. 
North Carolina's public schools excel at preparing students for success from cradle to career. The North, North Carolina pre-K program is one of the best early childhood programs in the nation. Evaluations show that low-income students that attended North Carolina pre-K had higher third-grade reading and math scores than their peers who did not participate in the program. North Carolina public school students earn nearly 250,000 workforce credentials each year while in high school, and nearly one-third of public school graduates take at least one course for college credit while in high school. North Carolina has the most national board-certified teachers in the nation, one of the highest recognitions teachers can earn. According to the governor, Republican legislatures continue to push policies that undermine and politicize public education. The most recent state budget, he said, significantly shortchanged North Carolina teachers and workers such as bus drivers with meager raises that were vastly inadequate and did not keep up with the rate of inflation. The budget also expanded the private school voucher program by $250 million over the next two years for a total of $4 billion over the next decade. Last year, Cooper proposed an 18% pay raise over two years for teachers, which would have set minimum starting teacher salaries at $46,000 in addition to local supplements. His proposal would have made North Carolina first in the Southeast in teacher pay and 16th in the nation, up from 32nd. His budget proposal also included, as required by our state constitution, the necessary funding to ensure we have a qualified teacher in every classroom, skilled principals in every school, and the funding to support every student, most especially students with disabilities, students from low-income families, and English language learners. The budget would have provided public schools the funding to hire more educators, nurses, counselors, bus drivers, social workers, and school psychologists, and funding for expanding the North Carolina pre-K program to more four-year-olds. The town of Mooresville recently announced the selection of Iredell County native Erica Martin as the Director of Planning and Community Development. Martin, who recently held the position of Interim Director of Planning and Community Development, will begin her role as Director immediately. Martin joined the town of Mooresville in January of 2019. She holds a B.S. in Community and Regional Planning from Appalachian State University. As a daughter that goes to James Madison University, App State has been a thorn in our side in football and basketball this year. But we wish Martin well anyway in her new role. Also in Mooresville, the Mooresville Arts received 221 submissions from 80 artists for the 11th annual Winter Juried Exhibition. Of the 221 art entries, 71 pieces of artwork created by 48 artists were chosen for the exhibition. This year's juror was Adam Justice, Director of Galleries for the College of Arts and Architecture at the University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Justice said, quote, As with any juried exhibition, exhibition. The show is defined by its broad diversity of media and subject matter, but the degree of talent present in this exhibition is very commendable. While judging its contents, I experienced the rather pleasant balance of indecision and certainty. It will always be a bit intimidating to curate an exhibition from a pool of strong work. 
I want to congratulate all the artists who submitted work for the showing. It takes courage to expose your work for public and professional scrutiny, and I felt all of these works reflected that sense of fortitude. Overall, I was so impressed by the quality and quantity of work submitted. What you see in the gallery are my top selections from an array of strong pieces. I especially loved the mastery of media found in many of the works I selected for showing. Everything from paper collage to vibrant pastels were offered. I thoroughly enjoyed spending time with these artworks, and I hope the public takes advantage to feel the same. In addition to curating the exhibit, Justice also selected the award winners for the show. The Aradale Health Foundation will host the second annual International Women's Day Breakfast, benefiting the Women's Health Fund for Aradale Health System on Wednesday, March the 6th. The International Women's Day Breakfast will take place from 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. at the Charles Mack Citizen Center in Mooresville. After the breakfast, attendees are welcome to stay for an additional hour for photos and book signings. Proceeds from the event will assist qualifying women who cannot meet the financial obligation for health and preventive services, such as mammograms, ultrasound, and other diagnostic screenings. The keynote speaker for the event is Nikki Brown, a motivational speaker, coach, leader, and mentor to women who desire to live more authentically and abundantly. Known for her high-impact and dynamic teaching style, she embodies and teaches the philosophy that within every woman is the ability to create her own doorway to greatness and success. As a result of her own journey, Brown has established a life development system that delivers impactful coaching and high-energy empowerment events to motivate women to discover and unlock their potential in every dimension of their lives. Tara Frankhauser, physician at Piedmont Healthcare Family Medicine, will also speak at the event discussing the realities of postpartum depression and how she uses her personal journey to destigmatize the often misunderstood condition. The master of ceremonies for this breakfast is Molly Grantham, anchor at WBTV News. Grantham is a four-time Emmy award-winning journalist, author of three books, mother of three young children, and founder of a pediatric nonprofit network. At the breakfast, the Iredell Health Foundation will recognize Treva Miller, founder of Divas Fighting Like Girls, as the inaugural recipient of the Uplift Woman of the Year Award. The News Drive at 5 rolls on here tonight. I am Patrick Reynolds. Stick with us. We got the ticket giveaway up next and more headlines as we take you up to the scoreboard. Don't go anywhere. Patrick Reynolds taking you home. We'll be back right after this. News Drive at 5 rolls on here. Patrick Reynolds taking you home on this Thursday, January 25th. 2024, 5.48 p.m., and it is ticket giveaway time. Four-pack of winning tickets right here. They are for you right here, right now. Call her in, you win these tickets. 844-STUDIO-4, that's 844-788-3464. Two tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show, February 23rd, 4th, and 5th at the Park Expo and Conference Center. And two tickets to this weekend show at the Cabarrus Arena in Concord. The Home and Landscape Show, January 26th, 7th, and 8th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
They're yours right now. Two tickets to each show. Four pack of winners going out right now. 844 Studio 478, or excuse me, 844 788 3464. Right there. Holding up to the camera. Call, come on in, and you got your weekend plans. News Drive at 5 headlines roll on, and the hundreds of scouts will fan out across neighborhoods in Mecklenburg County this weekend, kicking off the annual Scouting for Food campaign. Scouts from local packs and troops will be placing bright red door hangers on front doors to ask neighbors to contribute non-perishable food items to nourish up the food pantry network formerly known as Loaves and Fishes or Friendship Trays. If you receive a door hanger and wish to donate, just fill a bag or a box with non-perishable food items, canned or box goods, but no glass jars, and leave it outside your home before 9 a.m. on Saturday, February the 3rd. The scouts will return that morning to collect the food and deliver it to nourish up. Scouting for Food is the food pantry's largest community-wide food drive of the year. Last year, the scouts collected over 216,000 pounds of food, which nourish up credits for allowing it to respond to the increased food insecurity needs in the community. Nourish Up says it's primarily in need of canned fruit in fruit juice, canned meats, canned pastas, and canned vegetables. They prefer low-sodium, low-fat, and low-sugar items, so basically healthy. If scouts do not visit your neighborhood with door hangers, you can still donate at two Lake Norman locations. Scouts will be on hand to collect donations at the Ada Jenkins Center in Davidson, Saturday, February 3rd, and at Huntersville United Methodist Church, Saturday, February 3rd, and Sunday, February 4th. You can also donate directly to Nourish Up at its warehouse, at uh, in, which is located in Charlotte. They are available Monday through Friday. Financial contributions are always welcome to assist Nourish Up in purchasing items. In 2023, Nourish Up provided food to more than 130,000 people in Mecklenburg County, with almost half being children and seniors. The organization provides groceries, meals, and hope through a network of food pantries, grocery home delivery, and as the primary primary wheels Meals on Wheels program for Mecklenburg County. Horizon Church will host its annual Super Bowl Sunday soup and chili cook-off following the 10 a.m. service on Sunday, February 11th. That is in Statesville. The public is invited to attend service, and all are welcome to participate in the cook-off. Said Jason Bost, co-pastor at Horizon Church, quote, The Super Bowl is on nearly everyone's calendar, and for most people, it is an exciting cultural and community affair. Horizon is a church that wants to be engaged in whatever is on the minds of our community. Our Horizon Church tagline is a place for new beginnings. Hopefully, this event will attract some folks who don't normally go to church but may be open open to attending an event like this. Horizon Church is a non-denominational church in Statesville. Recapping our top story tonight, two Mooresville men face felony charges as the result of an arson investigation by the Aradale County Sheriff's Office and the Aradale County Fire Marshal's Office. Sheriff Darren Campbell announced the arrests of Jason Luke, age 35, of Perth Road, Mooresville, and Joseph Smith, age 38, of Ricks Lane in Mooresville. 
The Iredell County Sheriff's Office began investigating after deputies responded to the area of 1700 Perth Road in Mooresville to assist with an arson investigation. Firefighters controlled an active fire and suspected arson. Iredell County Sheriff's Office detectives interviewed witnesses and neighbors and identified Luke as a suspect. Luke has reportedly left the area with Smith. Deputies and detectives responded to Smith's address off Rick's Lane in an attempt to locate the suspects. After arriving, they found Smith in the driveway in possession of a firearm. Because Smith is a convicted, convicted felon, he is prohibited from possessing firearms. He was immediately placed under arrest for this and for violating the terms of his probation. Upon further investigation, Smith was also found to be in possession of methamphetamine. During questioning, Smith told deputies he did not know the whereabouts of Lucht. However, when deputies executed a search warrant of the home, Lucht was found inside along with several firearms. Lucht was arrested and both suspects were transported to the Iredell County Detention Center. Detectives conducted interviews with both suspect and learned that Luke had started a fire outside of his residence on Perth Road the night before and left the property while the fire was still burning, resulting in the fire spreading onto neighboring property. In Raleigh, the, school, the Center for Safer Schools has awarded $1 million in school safety grants to Iredell Statesville Schools, the Mooresville Graded School District, and local charter schools. The funding will be used for safety equipment, training, and services for students in crisis. Safety equipment covered by this grant includes items such as cameras, vape detectors, radios, and weapons detection systems. Training can include professional development for school leaders to assist students who are experiencing anxiety, trauma, or conduct problems. Services made available through this grant can include school-based mental health services. Well, we are 5.55 p.m. on the East Coast, coming up towards the end of Thursday's News Drive at 5. But don't go anywhere. It's coming up at 6 o'clock. My producer for the show, Joe Berg, steps into the spotlight, and he runs the controls for the scoreboard coming up just moments away. Joe, good evening. How are you, my man? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing fantastic. What is on the docket tonight for the scoreboard? Man, we have some Carolina Panther news. Yes, indeed. I heard. We have a new head coach. We do. We do. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator, Dave Canals, will be the head coach. Tampa's good, too. They were all right this year. Better than Panthers. So <laughs> Everybody was better than the Panthers. <laughs> so we got, a new, we got a new head coach. Now, let me ask you about this phrasing on this. Okay. When does it become we got a new head coach versus they got a new head coach? I think when you <laughs> when you're two and fourteen, right, or two and fifteen, whatever they were, is like, isn't it they it got a new head coach? It should be more they. You separate a little bit, but no, I feel like uh, you know when it's your team, yeah. it's always we. You're it's a we team. It's always we. Now you're a Jersey native, right? Yes. I okay, am. so when you moved to the North Carolina area. Were you old enough to have a lock or a fan base to the New Jersey and New York teams? Yeah. You were. Okay. I, I, I do have my preferences. Tell me. Uh, well, <laughs> Share with the audience. Make some enemies. Make some friends right now. <laughs> well, I'm a New York Giants fan. Me too. 
definitely not uh, great right now, but hey, I got to see two Super Bowls so far in my lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew, uh, judging from the year you were born, yes, I remember seeing the Giants, gosh, win a Super Bowl, I'm going to say like 10 years before you were born. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, one, two, there were two, I think, before you were born. Actually, yeah. I was rolling through my sports history, this day in sports history, and... Today's the day, January 25th. 1987. Yes. Ten years before I was born, the Giants beat the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. I remember that game. You were right on. Ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, Ten years before you were born. I do remember. Yeah, the date. I remember... uh, just generally, the NFL, the schedule has kind of expanded. The playoffs have expanded the the the, the season, and it used to be— And they uh, haven't stopped. Yeah, it used to be the you know end of January was always the Super yeah. Bowl, like when I grew up. And now we're, it was early February, and now it's like second That's week of February. February. Yeah. Yeah. It's what's the date? It's Super Bowl. Like I just read the story from Horizon Church. Eleventh, well, I think it is. I believe so. Well, it's not this weekend. It's, <laughs> I think I know. Next weekend, because next weekend is the Pro Bowl games. Right. And then we have the Super Bowl. And then the next week, Daytona 500. That's right. That's right. Right around the corner. Yeah, Rolex 24 this weekend down in Daytona. Oh yeah. I was actually prepping for this show, and I had on uh, YouTube the IMSA channel, and I was watching a preliminary race this afternoon. One of the undercards, a little Mazda race. Yeah. They're running down there on the, the little road MX-5s. course. Yes, very good. Oh yeah. Well, look at you. Dropping a little Mazda MX-5 a little, knowledge. A little bit. Little I bit. Got a little knowledge. I do. We need to. We need to do a racing show on the scoreboard here. Maybe. So uh, okay. So we got a new head coach. New head coach. Got NFL playoffs coming up this week. And divisional championships. Divisional right? championships. I'm going to talk a little bit about. Well, no, actually, it's uh, the divisional was last week. Okay. This is now the conference championship. I knew what I meant, but my terminology <laughs> was wrong. This is why I stick to cars. There I know what go. I'm talking about. So I'm going to talk a little bit about it today, uh, but we're going to s- save most of the. Uh, analysis for tomorrow. Okay, right before we have the playoffs. Local schools. You got pretty much good some good high school content Absolutely. tonight. Absolutely, some good high school content, and I do have an announcement for the show on Monday. All right, so stick around. I like I'll the teaser. It pretty early. Don't give it all away during the no. news drive at five. Give everybody I tune save in. a little bit. You got to save. Yes, save a little bit for the scoreboard. Thank you, Joe. A little bit of preview for the scoreboard, which is coming up at the top of the hour. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride tonight, the News Drive at 5. Hope you all had a good, safe ride home. We are here weekdays, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I am Patrick Reynolds. We will see you Friday, 5 p.m. Good night, everybody.